Okay, so we've looked at, we've studied briefly general revelation, God revealed himself in nature. We looked at special revelation, where God revealed himself individually to Moses and other people in the Bible, but he also reveals himself to us as well. Then last week we looked at inspiration. That is, when we come to the scripture, we can trust it because we know that God spoke through men as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, I think the next logical step in basic theology would be this thing called in the image of God and how that applies to us. And you can, you can see here on your outline where we're going to go with this. We're going to look at three views of the image of God. We're going to explore Genesis 126. I'm going to give you five uh, basic views of let us, um, let us make man in our image, what was lost in the fall, and then I'm going to give you my final thoughts on the image of God. So, first of all, in theology proper, there are three basic views. Three basic views. Each of those views have different uh, extensions on them, but ultimately it comes down to three different views on the image of God. What it means, the image of God. We are made in the image of God. So these three views are put forth First of all, by Bruner and Karl Barth. Many of you would know them, 20th century theologians. They go with the relational view. The relational view focuses on not the makeup in humanity. In other words, the image of God does not refer to the physical being, the external being, or anything in the makeup. Where they're coming from is the issue, it is our relationship with God. Because when you go back to the Genesis account, in Genesis chapter 3, you see that man had a broken relationship with God. So the relational view focuses on the relationship with God and ultimately refers to the experience with God. So the first set is that views from the image of God that was lost was not so much the image, but it was the relationship. And you can see that. Uh, play out through through scripture about Christ coming. We'll get into that in a little bit as well. But that's that's one view. And then there's Le- Leonard Verduin. He believes or viewed it as a functional view of the image of God. Now, he kicks back and says it's not present in our makeup or in our genetics. That'll hit the third view. Now he's getting ready to hit the second view. And he says it's not in, it's not in our relationship with God. So Bruner and Barth, they were both wrong. It's not really anything inherently wrong with our relationship with God. Well, so what is the functional view? The functional view is this. The image of God is what we do. It's not who we are. Test case here. In Genesis 1:26, which I would encourage you to turn there, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. God goes on to say this and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of heaven, over the livestock, and over all the earth. So um, Verduin comes in and he says, wait a minute, it can't be that our image was lost. Uh, what, what that really means is that it is what we do. It is, it is how we act because God gave man a mission. That is what was lost. Okay, 
it should go without saying that I don't hold either one of these views. My view is the third view, and it's in pretty good company. Charles Spurgeon, many other theologians that have come down. So we have the relational view, which focuses a relationship was, was lost. I can buy that to some degree because the relationship with God was lost. I, I get that part. Secondly, it's what we do. No, it's really about who we are. Uh, and anyway, this is the view. A quality or characteristic within our makeup. That is, God created man not only physical, but things going on on the inside. The way we think, the way we talk, the way we act. Um, it's psychological and a spiritual quality. So we have within our makeup not only a physical body, but we have the emotional capabilities of intellect and reason. And so I think this third view, uh, and you could, you could throw the relational view in there simply on the fact that we did lose our relationship, but that is not the reference to the image of God. That's a problem as a result of sin and the fall. So I don't have a problem with that. But this is, this is closer to the truth. So you have the relational view, and you have the, uh, the functional view, and you have the structural view. If you want to study more about this, just type in the three views of in the image of God, and you'll find all of these will crop up. So I think we need to start with Genesis 1.26. I think that's a really good place to start. Now, I know today's sermon's going to stretch you a little bit, and that's okay. As long as I don't stretch you out of shape, you're okay. Now, we read the scripture. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. I want to stop there. First of all, I think it's a good idea that we examine the text, see what the words mean, and then make some practical applications from that. The word make is asa. Now listen to this carefully. Then God said, let us asa, fashion or create an object, implying the use of existing material. Now what I want you to see is that man was the last stop in the creation cycle. God had everything in place, and so God simply made man out of what? Existing material. So here you have God making man or fashioning him out of the dust of the ground. And then he says, man, let us make man. Let us asa Adam, which is where we get the name Adam. Now this is interesting in, in itself too. Listen to this. The word refers to humankind, a class of being a distinct class. Now, what's he talking about? What is, what is God saying here? You have flowers, you have trees, you have birds, you have bears, you have all of these creatures. Each one of those are a distinctive class. But God says here that I made Adam, Adam. He is a special being. And this naturally triggered a response within me as I studied this week immediately. I, I was shocked uh, how this came up so, so fast. I learned this when I was in school. And actually what's not on here, you remember the little tadpole? And how we went from a tadpole 
to a monkey, to a bipenal ape, and eventually to man. Now, when I was at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois, I took a course on bioethics. And this is what I know about bioethics. And I actually reviewed my notes again as I went through it. You can have what's called genetic mutations. Genetic mu mutations meaning that something happens in the DNA of the species where it, it mutates. So if we were to think of flowers for just, just a minute, flowers, you have a variety of flowers. You have a variety of trees. You have a variety of bears. You have polar bears, you have panda bears. That is genetic mutations within a specific species. But what you can't have, and Darwin even acknowledged when he wrote this later in his life, some said he had a deathbed conversion. I'm not sure about that. But later in his life realized, I could be wrong. You can have genetic mutations, but it is contained within a particular species. In other words, a tree will not become a banana. A tree would not become a rabbit. Here's the second problem with this genetic mutation, which is going outside of this, going from a tadpole to a monkey to a bipenal ape to man. Wouldn't man, if the genetic, if you were able to do this, wouldn't we be continually evolving? Now, within our species, within the human species, I'm trying to put this in very simple terms. Within the human species, we have a variety of genetic mutations. For, for instance, we have African-Americans, we have Spanish, we have all of these different genetic mutations, but they are contained within the species. You can't, you're not going to grow up someday and wake up a banana. I can tell you that personally. You're, that's not going to happen. So this theory here, God says, listen to this. I think this is, this is important. God said, I made Adam, Adam, a class of being, a distinct class. You cannot evolve from that. Now, even within this genetic mutations, you notice that when we went back to biblical archaeology, archaeologists find that people were shorter back thousands of years ago. Well, that's with a, that is a genetic mutation within the species, not without. You could not have a goat man. You could not, I know the, the Maybe some worship that, but you cannot do that. It's simply, it's, it's scientifically impossible. It can't happen. This is what God created. This is what God created. On that day of creation when he said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, that is what God created. This was a different class of species. I hope I made that clear. In very simple terms, you can't have a flower becoming a person. It doesn't work like that. Scientifically, it doesn't work like that. And where I hope, honestly, I hope Darwin had a deathbed conversion. I don't want to see him separated eternity from God, but even he realized that this could be problematic the more that people learn about science. Now he says, let us make man in our image, selim, which is a pattern or a model. So while we are not God, 
we have representation of God on us. Let me put it to you this way. Scripture talks about God having a face, God having eyes, God's ears, his mouth, his hands, his arms. All of those, all of the physical characteristics of God are visible in us. Did not Jesus say when he was here to see me is to see the Father? What was Jesus talking about? The physical body. So here, the image, I want you to start thinking of other living beings, other human beings, not living beings, other human beings as the image of God. That changes. That changes our whole perspective for a moment as far as the sense of evangelism. We are now looking at people who have the image of God stamped on them. And then he says, dumut which is the word for likeness, or that which is similar. Again, referring back to Jesus' statement, to see me is to see the Father. I am similar to God because I am God. Jesus said, I am God. Here's some thoughts before we launch into the next section. Creation is in ascending order. God put the stars and the solar system the mountains, the streams, the water, the creation. He put everything into place before he made man. Secondly, man is the only creation in which there was a deliberation within the Godhead. Let me just read it to you from Genesis. Genesis 1-3, and God said, let there be light. Genesis 1-9, let the waters under the heaven gather into one place. Verse 11, let the earth spout forth vegetation. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse, verse 14. And verse 20, and God said, let the water swarm. And in verse 24, he says, and let the earth bring forth living creatures. And then in verse 26, says, then God said, let us. That's a divine dialogue that is happening. Human life, out of all of God's creation, think of it this way, out of all of God's creation, beautiful creation, by the way, beautiful mountains, trees, skies, all that, we are the only thing in creation that was created in the image of God. None of the other ones were created in the image of God. Now, that leads us to the let us section. I'm going to give you five quick views. Number one is the polytheistic view, Greek mythology. Um, when God said, let us, he was referring to multiple gods. A second view, heaven and earth. God was calling on creation. Come on, creation, heaven. Let us make man in our image. A third view, self-deliberating. I do that a lot. <laughs> As long as I don't answer back, I'm doing fine. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're driving down the road and you say to yourself, okay, make sure to remember to get milk, eggs, juice, and you're talking to yourself. Some view this as God self-deliberating. He's just talking to himself. And I, I don't get that, but <laughs> that's what some believe. I don't know how you get that out of the us plural, uh, plural out of that word. Angelic court. Some think that God was, let us make man in our image, looking at the angelic court. The problem with the angelic court is this. Do you know that scriptures say that even 
or angels are their own class of, of being. But beyond that, even the angels, when somebody gets saved, they peer in because they're really curious. That's not in the image of, of an angel. I think what's happening here is this fifth one, a, di a dialogue within the Godhead. When we talk about Jesus Christ, for by him all things were created and through him all things came to be. Jesus was at the creation of the world. Actually, before the foundations of the world, Jesus was. The Father, he was there at creation. The Spirit, he was there at creation. So you have this, when God says, think about how important this is for us. Of all the creatures in the world, of everything that God created, as beautiful as it was, we are the only species, the only genetic people to receive a dialogue between the Godhead. That's how special the image of God is. And we are the only creature in this world who has and bears the image of God. Wow. I think, <laughs> I think that's pretty special. K.A. Matthews in his commentary is right. Although the Christian trinity cannot be derived solely from the, from the use of the plural, that is, uh, let us, us plural, a plurality within the unity of the Godhead may be derived from the passage. That's pretty simple. Okay. So the bigger question. The bigger question, I think, is this. What was lost in the fall? and specifically as it relates to the image of God. What was lost? Because, brothers and sisters, this is how you evangelize a world that needs to know the Creator. And so, I want to share some things about this. Number one, what was lost? The sanctity of human life was not lost. The sanctity of human life, or you could say the importance of human life, was not lost. This is something that we need, to, we need to, to tell people, that even though they are sinners, that they are still made in the image of God. They never lose that image. Here's two verses for you. Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds the blood of man. I specifically did this because of the word likeness and the word image. They're both in Genesis one twenty six. Uh, whoever sheds the blood of man, by his blood he shall be shed, for the, in the image of God he made them. I want you to understand that to God, life is still important. Humankind, no matter how vile, no matter how far gone they are, is still important to God. You need another one? James talking about the tongue that God created. For with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. God is very much concerned with life. He is very much concerned with our relationship to one another. Very much concerned. We can't be doing this on Sunday and doing this on Monday. We can't because they are still in the image of God. They are fashioned in the likeness of God. Is that how we talk to God? We don't talk to God that way. We praise God. We worship God. That doesn't mean we worship the people in front of us. But brothers and sisters, we got to get better 
at coming back and looking at people for who they really are. Yes, they're sinners who do not know the Savior, and they need to know the Savior. And the only way they're going to know the Savior is if we approach them with a, with a reverence of this person, precious, precious in the eyes of God, is lost. Hmm. For God, it's still important. And how we act and interact with one another is still important. God's creative design for mankind was not lost. First, life is important. The importance of human life to God is still there. God's creative design for mankind was not lost. One of my favorite verses. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that very well. As far as I know, since Genesis 1 and moving forward, babies have come the same way. That has not been lost. God's plan for how mankind produces has not been lost. So then, a third thing. By the way, let me say this. Every life is precious, and Christians should always fight for the sanctity of human life. Always. Every, every life is precious in the sight of God. Even that neighbor you disagree with, even that person you can't stand, precious in the eyes of God. This, is, this could easily be termed an evangelistic message. Easily. What was lost? What was lost? The spiritual element was lost. That was, was lost. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, 45 to 49. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 to 49. And I'm going to read this for you, and you can follow along. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 45 to 49. And this is what the Apostle Paul writes. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. That's the Genesis account. The last man, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, that's us, a man of dust. This week I happened to hear, uh, I happened to hear the, uh, the 1970 song, Dust in the Wind by Kansas. I was singing it most of the week, Dust in the Wind. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are we who are of the dust. 
And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. There's two, two things going on here. Just as we have borne the image of man, of the dust, that's us, the image of God, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. What is Paul talking about? He's actually showing us and telling us exactly what was lost. Exactly. We come here, we look at Adam and Christ. We put them parallel, if you will, in, this, in these verses. First of all, man was a living being, and God breathed into him the breath of life. Jesus was the life-giving spirit who breathes, you could say, spiritual life back into dead bodies. For a second, Adam was physical, part of the old creation. Christ is part of the new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed. And now, even though we carry the body, even though it dies, we yet live because the Holy Spirit lives in us. We are a new creation. We are completely made new. You hath he quickened, Ephesians says. Paul says in Ephesians. Adam was a man of dust. He was earthly. Christ is from heaven. Think about this. Christ left heaven, came to earth, took up the image of God on earth, if you will, took up a, a form of a man, and he grew in every way like we did. Um, and then he lived a sinless life, taught things about the kingdom. He was crucified. He died. He buried he rose again and goes back to heaven to live with him. The second man, he's from heaven. He's different than us. He is going to now correct what Adam did wrong. That's the essence of the gospel. It's not that, Paul writes this in Romans and other places, that Adam came and through Adam all died because Adam sinned, therefore all sin spread to mankind. And in essence, we lost our relationship. In that sense, uh, Bruner and Barth were correct. We did lose our relationship. But that wasn't all. Fourthly, all mankind is dust. You will return to dust. But what's important is that all that are in Christ have eternal life. As we get to the, to the last verse, we read this. Just as we have borne the image of man, the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man from heaven. Do you know the difference between us and a lost world? They bear the image of God, yes. But for those who know Jesus, we are being transformed into the image of Christ. God is very focused on image. And when we come to saving faith in Christ, in a sense, we bear that image. We bear man, and we're sinful, and we're, we have a sin nature. I 
abstract part we get. But ultimately, when we die, what separates us from those that are man of the dust and those who are of the man from heaven is that when we die, we go to be with him. They go to an eternal punishment. Now, when you think about the image of God, that the guy at the checkout counter, he may be lost, but he bears the image of God. Keep that in mind this week. Maybe your boss that you struggle with, made in the image of God. No, he's not a believer. Pray for him. He is created in the image of God, and God designed man to have a relationship with God. We have a huge part in that. God uses us. Let me give you some final thoughts. First final thought is this. The image of God is universal. Universal. Everybody bears the image of God in the body, creation. They're not God. They're not saved, but they bear the image that God created so many thousands of years ago. All of us are created in the image of God. Secondly, human life is important to God. Mark that down. And as you're out there in the highways and byways of life, I want you to think about every person that you encounter bears a resemblance to God's handiwork. That really would change the way we start viewing people, and I know we get irritated with people, but ultimately our desire should be for them to know Jesus Christ, right? That should be the desire of everybody, to know Jesus. Thirdly, the spiritual element was lost by the fall of man, not the image. The image we still bear. Paul said that. That did not go away when man fell. It, was, it is something inherent in us. It is something in creation of us. That is the image of God. That was not lost. Otherwise, we would all be walking around little spiritual beings around here. That was not lost. That was not lost. But the spiritual element was. Turn on the television, watch the news for one hour, and you'll see what I mean. You'll see that lost. Christ breathes new life. Christ breathes new life into an old creation. Talk about the old body, this body. This body's not perfect, is it? I mean, it's breaking down, and it's because of Adam's sin that caused all this. It gets older, but inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. As we go out this week, I want us to think about the image of God that every person that we encounter is created in the image of God. And that as such, there is a certain level of dignity that we need to approach people with. I know that they're sinners. But when you look at a lost person, think about God created them. Might change the way that we look at people and talk about them and and, and all these different aspects of our lives. Be careful because you are approaching what God created. Think about that. I think it's good. It's good for us to think about that. 